0: Do you believe that God answers prayers? I do. I've seen a lot of my prayers answered. But I've also seen many more of them go unanswered. So, how does this work? Well, the prophet Isaiah writes that God's thoughts and his ways are, are higher than ours. He works in ways that we just simply don't understand. The apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church that uh God will turn things upside down. He will frustrate the wise and use things that are nothing for something glorious. So what does this all mean and how does it work? Well, we're gonna tackle that today, right after this. Hi, I'm Troy King, and I know that reading the Bible is a tremendous blessing, but it's also challenging and sometimes confusing. I'm here to tell you that you're not alone. Together, we'll explore the cultures and context of Scripture so that you can discover new insights and grow closer to God. This is the Freedom Bible Study Podcast. Welcome back to the Freedom Bible Study Podcast. My name is Troy, and I'm so happy to have you here. Before we get started, I want to invite you to visit the website freedombiblestudy.com, and there you can sign up for the verse of the day. You can sign up for notifications of new podcast episodes. And you can now get things like mugs and shirts. (laughs) So uh, these are brand new. I just designed these myself. This one is a, um, on one side, it says the truth shall set you free. And then on the other side, it has the Freedom Bible Study logo with the firebird. And um, I decided, you know, when, uh, when you want that Warm cup of tea or coffee in the morning while you're reading your devotional. Why not have a mug that's got some scripture on it? And uh, if you follow me on Facebook, Freedom Bible Study with Troy, you may have seen me sporting a uh, a black T-shirt that has the same design. So it's a matching shirt, matching mug. I also have a couple different color options and a new shirt. Uh, that I just designed. So I just want to provide something fun that's faith-based that you can wear. And it, of course, helps support this ministry so I can continue doing this. So uh, you can find it all over at freedombiblestudy.com. Please uh, find me over there. And if you're watching on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe and hit the bell icon for notifications. Thank you very much. Okay, let's dive into today's episode the foolishness of the cross. So we're going to start out looking at 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verses 18 and 19. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligence of uh, intelligent, I will frustrate. Why does God choose to interact with humanity in this way? I think personally, it's because He knows His creation all too well. It seems that when He does something a certain way, we think, "Oh, well, that's how God operates." So now, now we're gonna do X, Y, and Z. We're gonna follow this tradition. We're gonna follow this ritual, and God's gonna have to respond because that's what He does. And God doesn't operate like that. He's not a jukebox where we can put a quarter in. Well, maybe now with inflation it's a dollar. We can't put a dollar in and expect God to respond and, and sing and dance to our tune and fulfill our every need because we, we did you know, the certain ritual. He, he knows better. He knows us better than that. And we try to put God into this box right we're we're confining him he's going to be our puppet and as limited beings how can we comprehend the infinite right we we don't truly understand god because we are not able to we are limited by time we are limited by physics and uh all sorts of rules that are in place but god is outside of all of that he can break physics he can break Uh, the rules that he established because he is the creator. He made an axe head float in the Old Testament. Uh, He walked on water. He does these supernatural things because he is beyond it all. And I think that's why we struggle to trust him. Because he's so different than us. He's not Superman. He's not human 2.0. He's God Almighty, the infinite, Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, and we simply can't fully wrap our hands around it. Can't wrap our arms around it. Now, hold on. I, I don't want to frustrate you and your faith. I want to build you up. I want to help you tackle this head on. Because I know what it's like to pray prayers that go unanswered. And we wonder, God, why? Why isn't this being answered? Why isn't this need being met? And it's, it could be. It's not his will. To answer this prayer. His answer could be a no. And he has a very good reason that he's not inclined to share with us. And quite frankly, reasons we may not even understand while we're on this earth in this life. So let's go back to Paul and his message to Corinth, uh, the Corinthians. Now we should look at the background of Corinth because we need to understand their culture a little bit. It was uh, the city was very culturally diverse. It was a hub of Roman paganism and immorality. So the Romans had a had a plethora of um, of gods and idols. And so this was a, a Roman town, and it was renowned for exemplary bronze work some of the early settlers, so Corinth goes way, way back, and at one point, it got destroyed because of some rebellions, and then Caesar came along and refounded it, and the people who moved in, they, uh, they made their riches by unscrupulous means, by robbing graves and selling the proceeds and amassing great wealth, so there was a lot of opportunity for money, and people would do whatever it took to, to get by. They also host, the, the city, Corinth, also hosted the bi, the biannual Isthmian Games, which were uh, athletic and musical competitions to which people flocked. So there was a lot of tourism that, that came to the area whenever they had these games. Uh, however, Corinthians were known for, uh, if they were rich, they often displayed repugnant behavior. And if you were poor, you had were living in absolute misery. So you had this wide array of the super rich who behaved like just the worst kind of humanity. And then you had the poor who were suffering and languishing in their filth. Um, I got some pictures here for you, actually. If you're watching on YouTube, here we have the location of Corinth. And on the left, you can see there's Italy. And on the right, you can see um, that's where Jerusalem is along the Mediterranean, and Corinth is right there in the middle. So it, it was a, a a hub of commerce. They had a lot of people coming through the area. Here is uh, some pictures of the marketplace. Of course, uh, you know the ruins and such that they've excavated. This one's interesting. This is right right there in the middle. You can kind of see some inscription. This is the Babius Monument. Oftentimes when you wanted some notoriety, when you wanted um, to be known for something, you would build a monument. You would pave a road. You would do something and put your name all over it. So Babius, uh, I believe the inscription something like, I, Babius, paid for this monument with my own money. There's a road um, where uh, a fellow who was a treasurer for the city, and he decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make a road and put my name on it. You know, I've made this road. I've paid for it with my own money. So there's a lot of things that, that were just... These people had egos, egos like none other, and they wanted everyone to know they would in, inscribe their ego in stone for us to <laughs> point our fingers at 2,000 years later. So that's the culture of Corinth. and you've got this super wealthy, you've got the super poor, everyone has got an ego. And uh, some members from Chloe's household report to Paul that there are some quarrels happening in the church. and you know we are all one body, right? That's Paul's message. And here we have these quarrels. We have division among the people. And we don't know much about Chloe except that she may have had some money. Um, Chloe was kind of a fancier name for people who were well-to-do we don't know who the members were we don't know if they were her brothers or slaves the scholars are kind of uh, in dispute but the the thing to point out is that people are talking right Uh, we love gossip I'm sure if you've ever been part of a, a church that someone has spoken up and said hey did you hear about Bill and Jane did you hear about this or that And uh, people talk and someone talked to Paul and said, guess what? The Corinthians are a lot of infighting. And so the people are divided. They're taking sides. Some say, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. I follow Christ. They are boasting about the people that they're following as if, uh, you know, they want some, like they want a, a badge of honor or something. And so uh, Paul says, guess what, guys? Uh, were any of you baptized in my name? No, the only one worth bragging about is Christ, because he is the one who died. And he says, no one can say that they were baptized in my name. Well, except for maybe a few people that I kind of forgot about. Um, but it, it, he wasn't there to baptize people and, and make a name for himself. His message was to preach the gospel of Christ, now, he happened to get a name for himself because he was really good at what he did. Uh, but he wasn't in it for the ego. He wasn't in it to be known, to have his own personal followers. That wasn't his plan. Let's look at 1 Corinthians uh, 1.17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. I think that's such a fascinating uh, scripture. Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Meaning that carefully crafted words could win over the mind, but do nothing for the heart. Really, it was the plain and simple message of the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sin and the salvation of our souls. Just the plain gospel alone, by God's Spirit, is effective. You don't need to have fancy, eloquent words. Yeah, uh, you know, I trip and stumble over my words sometimes, but the message that I'm trying to communicate is Jesus loves you, and He's offering forgiveness of sin, and we need to be, uh, we need to identify with His death, burial, and resurrection, and have the new birth experience. That's just all there is to it. So. That's, that's what we're dealing with. So, Paul then gets to this scripture, uh, chapter 1, 18 and 19. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. So, when he says it is written, he is referring to Isaiah 29:14, And here Isaiah is quoting, the, the quote is in reference to Assyria's threat against Judah. So, the northern kingdom of Israel has been carried off into exile um, by Assyria. And now Assyria has come down to Jerusalem and they're knocking on uh, Jerusalem's door threatening to conquer Judah. And so, King Hezekiah has turned to some of the other surrounding nations to form an alliance to combat Assyria. And at this point, only Egypt remains in the alliance, and Egypt is not very reliable. And the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, he knows this. He knows that Egypt is not um, going to hold up. Egypt is going to fold like a house of cards, so they might as well just surrender. So, What Isaiah is saying is that all Judah has to do is trust in God alone and he would deliver them. Now, there is no way that Judah could possibly save themselves. They were no match for the Assyrian army. But if they would trust God, God could defy all odds. He could defy all reason and give them victory. But King Hezekiah was struggling with that. Let's move on to verse 20. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Simply put, human wisdom cannot explain or make sense of God's plan. It doesn't make sense to our so-called rational minds, but God is supernatural and he does as he pleases. Verse 21 For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who would believe. Have you ever heard somebody say, I've got my own salvation worked out with God, we have a deal, him and I are like this? <laughs> Well, nowhere in Scripture do we see someone negotiating with God for, for their salvation. Uh, God has a plan. Now, if he wants to make the exception, he is free to do so. But we don't get to come to him and make a deal on our terms. God has a plan of salvation and if he chooses to make an exception then then great like uh, elijah for example i mean he elijah never tasted death he was whisked away uh, to heaven leaving elisha behind but i'm not uh, i'm not going to suppose that god's got some sort of special plan for me i'm going to do what his word says i'm going to be obedient and if he chooses to whisk me away in a whirlwind or or take me up to heaven um, in some other way, then, then fine. But, uh, God doesn't allow for us to come to him on our own terms. This is his creation. This is his playpen. We have to follow his rules. Um, we should come before him with humility and just saying, yes, Lord, I need your grace. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Let's move into, uh, verses 22 and 23. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. So the Jews were expecting certain signs from the Messiah. They looked at certain passages in Scripture and said, this is how it's going to be fulfilled. This is the way God is going to send the Messiah. And, uh, (laughs) I, in, in one commentary, you put it like this: the 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 Jews' minds were matter of fact and crudely concrete. They demanded signs to satisfy their inflexibility. Oh my goodness, that is an indictment if I ever heard one. Hey, have you ever described someone as uh, crudely concrete? Their their way of thinking. I mean. Yikes. But, but it, it's so true. They come and they ridicule him and, and uh, chastise him for doing good works and healing people on the Sabbath. And they demand signs. Even on the cross, they said, come down and we'll believe you. But, you, but we know that even if he did come down off that cross, they still wouldn't have believed him for whatever reason, because the, the, their hearts were so hard and their minds so inflexible. They expected a military ruler who would restore Israel to her former glory. And God wasn't about establishing a human kingdom. He was concerned about reconciling the relationship between mankind and God and establishing a heavenly kingdom. The Greeks, they look for something to dazzle them. They love philosophy. They want something to pique their interest. And so to both of them, a crucified Messiah was humiliation, was defeat. The Jews are looking for a mighty military leader and instead it's a guy dying on a cross. Now, how is that saving Israel? How is that destroying Rome? It doesn't make sense to them. Yes, the cross of Christ is foolish to the jews because their hearts and minds are inflexible they're crudely concrete and they're not allowing themselves to see the bigger picture the picture that god has in mind the greeks just want something to tickle their ears they want to entertain their philosophy for them it was about you know i mean you've seen some of those uh, those action movies where they're showing the greek army i mean those guys were built and they were ferocious and uh a guy dying on a cross doesn't inspire a lot of confidence when you think about that kind of culture. So, yes, to them, it the cross is absolute foolishness. Let's look at verse 24. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. The cross of Christ is God's power. It's God's wisdom. It's something that that the Jews and the Greeks of the age just couldn't accept, but for those who would believe, for those who would understand that, oh, there's something bigger going on here, there's something grander going on, there's something more powerful here, this is indeed the power of God to pay the penalty of human sin by coming to earth as Jesus and dying for sins that he didn't owe. Everyone has the opportunity to believe. Even both Jews and Greeks, had. Uh, they had people who did believe. It's not that all Jews and all Greeks refused to believe. There were some who did believe, and they found the power of the cross, and they found salvation. The cross is a demonstration of God's power and his wisdom. Verse 25 For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Now, of course, these are more rhetorical in nature. By way of comparison, we know that God isn't weak, and God certainly is not foolish. Verse 26, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential nor many were of noble, noble birth. Now, he's not insulting him, right? When I first read this, I thought, man, he's, he's being kind of mean there. Like, you know, hey, guess what, guys? You're not so hot. You're not so good looking. And you're not influential. So what have you got? But what, no, what, he's, what he's trying to say <laughs> is that you don't have to be intelligent, to be saved by God. You don't have to be wealthy or or well connected to receive God's forgiveness, to receive his mercy and grace. They were they, they came as they were, battered and bruised and broken, and God saved them anyhow. That just testifies to the mercy of God. Verses 27 and 28. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose The weak things of the world to shame the strong, God chose the lowly things of this world that are uh, of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. What is Paul saying? Because this verse gets a little squirrely, um, unless you read it in, in the NLT translation. This is the NIV translation. But what Paul is saying is that God is turning human wisdom upside down foolish things to shame the wise, weak to shame the strong, things that are counted as nothing. He uses them to make what the world considers to be important as ineffective. So he is totally working backwards, making uh, just everything contrary to what we might expect. But that's the nature of God. He is so different than us. He thinks and and acts so much much differently. Verses 29 and 30. So that, this is why, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So what Paul is saying is that we are saved by grace, through faith. It's because of Jesus. If we were to come to God with our wisdom or our strength and say, you have to save me. I'm worthy because of this. We would have our own reason to boast. I made it to heaven because I was strong. I made it to heaven because I won the jackpot. I uh, I made it to heaven because I started a really successful business. But I lived in sin. I lived like a pig. Uh, no, <laughs> it is because of God's grace that we have been saved. Us lowly and meek sinners, we have come before a holy and righteous God with our hat in our hand, on our knees, asking for forgiveness and finding the Lord's unfailing love and mercy. What a wonderful God that we serve, uh, because he, he He frustrates the wise and he turns all these things upside down uh, so that We just have to give him more praise. Let's look at verse 31. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now, this is a quote from Jeremiah 9.24. And what's important to know is in Jeremiah, Judah is facing judgment for their refusal to turn back to the Lord. So, Jeremiah is... um, you know, he's, he's delivering this message of condemnation and they're refusing to listen. And so, uh, I think if if Paul is quoting from the Old Testament, we should probably look at what the context of that passage was. And this is what Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But that the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. So, uh, like I said, Jeremiah was a prophet to the nation of Judah. And Judah believed that God would never send judgment because he said, I'll always have a descendant of David on the throne, so how could we possibly be carried off into exile? How could Jerusalem possibly be de- be destroyed? It doesn't make sense, but yet they refused to listen, and God did send judgment, and Judah was destroyed, Jerusalem was destroyed, and um, that was it. So God is saying, listen, you know, don't boast in your might, don't bo- don't boast in your intelligence, because. Uh, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to carry out my plans. And if you're going to boast about anything, just boast that you know me. And and Paul is saying, boast in the Lord. Boast that Jesus Christ has saved you. In in his grace and his mercy, he picked us up out of the dust and out of the dirt and cleaned us off and bestowed his righteousness upon us. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's nothing better than that. So God works in ways that we simply cannot understand, and that's why faith is so important. That's why we have to believe in the face of every reason not to believe. Science may say, God doesn't exist, and here's why. We still have to believe. We may look at scripture that we don't understand, passages that that challenge our faith, challenge our our, our closely held beliefs, and we have to say, I still believe even though I don't understand. We have to look at when people are persecuting you, when your friends and your family are saying, knock it off with this going to church nonsense. Stop reading your Bible. Stop praying to a, an invisible God that you can't see, that you don't know it's there. You have to believe anyways, in the face of adversity, in the face of every reason to give up. So, the question is, are we willing to humble ourselves? Are we willing to acknowledge that God's plans, his purposes are greater, and he may or may not clue us in on what he's doing, but in the end, we have to acknowledge our sin, acknowledge our weakness, acknowledge our need for his salvation, and to let go of our own plans, to let go of our own dreams, and let our self-worth rest in God. Because, on our own. If I were to rely on my own intelligence, rely on my own strength, rely on my own devices, I wouldn't get very far. It's only by God's grace and mercy that I am where I am today and that I have what I have, that I have a family and a job and, and I'm blessed with the ministry to share this with all of you wonderful people. Um, I give glory and honor to God because I wouldn't have anything without him. So, If you will choose to believe in the power of God, in the wisdom of God and the cross, even though it may look foolish and not make sense, if you will believe and trust, he will reveal it to you. He'll reveal to you the power of God. He'll reveal to you that the crucified Messiah is forgiveness, it's salvation, it's joy, it's peace, it is new Life, So, believe in Jesus. Believe in the power of the cross. Because to the rest of the world, it doesn't make sense. And they're going to perish because of the hardness of their hearts. And it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. God's will is that no one would perish. But people have chosen their path. But as for you and I, let's believe in the power and the wisdom of the cross. So, next time, I'm sure you've heard the phrase where to so i want to close out today's episode with a prayer if you'll please join me dear lord mighty god i worship and exalt you i understand that your thoughts and your ways are so much higher than mine i can't begin to even comprehend but lord i trust you i believe in you And Lord, I ask for your forgiveness of my sin, because I am dependent on you as my Savior, as my King. Lord, let my life be for you. I am your servant. I am yours, mighty God. Have your way in my life, and help me to walk in your footsteps and follow your paths. I love you in the name of Jesus. All right, so next time, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, where two or more are gathered, there I will be in their midst. (laughs) This is from Matthew 18, and this passage is often taken out of context, and I am guilty as a worship leader of using this out of context when you have those services that are uh, few in number, and well, there's only a couple of us here, but the Lord is going to be here because where two or three are gathered in his name, there I will be. But the meaning of that passage in Matthew 18 is not actually what you think. And that's actually a good thing. So we're going to tackle this head on next week. Join me, won't you? Until then, have a great week. Thank you so much for being here. God bless. Please remember to check out the Freedom Bible Study website, freedombiblestudy.com and you can subscribe to YouTube channel here. Uh, There's links around here somewhere. Go ahead and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. God bless.